and to Jesus be the praise and the glory and the honor. You know, on my mind today, I've been singing, to God be the glory, to God be the glory. Ah, wonderful, Jesus. Thank you for joining me today. A very important teaching today on prayer that moves mountains. I truly believe mountains will be moved out of your life in Jesus' mighty and glorious name. Let's pray. Let's believe, God, that this beautiful teaching will bless all of our lives, that God will use his word today to cause miracles to happen in our lives. Wonderful Jesus, I thank you for what you're about to show us. To you be the praise, all the honor and the glory. Amen. And thank you for being my family. Thank you for being my wonderful friend and partner. I love reading your comments. So gracious, so sweet. You are God's wonderful, beloved people. And today we're going to talk about something so beautiful and so important. Matthew 21, verse 21 and 22. So take your Bibles with me. And I want to show you something that sounds too good to be true, but it is true. Hallelujah. Okay. So Matthew 21, 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer believing, ye shall receive. Back a few years ago in Cairo, Egypt, <clears throat> the believers in Cairo were challenged by enemies of the cross who said, you Christians believe that you can move mountains and uh, in one part of the city, there was this mountain where many believers lived in that area. And they were challenged to move it in prayer. Well, it happened. And today there is a church, there's a church in Cairo called The Cave. 20,000 seats inside that church that has blessed millions around the world. And the mountain moved, a physical mountain moved when God's people prayed. So verily I say unto you, the Lord said, if you have faith and you don't doubt, that not only what is done to the fig tree will be done, where the Lord had cursed that fig tree because there's no fruit on it, but also if you shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. Now, here's a beautiful verse here. And all things, not just some, all things whatsoever you will ask in prayer. Now, think about the no limit to the power of prayer here. No limit whatsoever. All things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. So, yes, it sounds too good to be true, but it is. So, all things, whatever you ask for. So, power to move mountains? Absolutely. Uh, but first, we have to learn the secret. What is the secret behind all this power? The secret we have to learn that can release all this power 
it's all in a word. What is the secret? So let's go to John 14, and we're going to look at verse 14, because the Lord makes an, an, another amazing promise here. He says in verse 14, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I'll do it. So first, we can't have power in prayer till we come in the name of Jesus. So you have to put both together. Matthew 21, 22, and John 14, 14, because Matthew 21, 22 says, all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you'll receive it. Well, someone can say, okay, I'm not a Christian, and I can ask and I'll receive. Well, no, only God's people can do that in Jesus' name. So we can't just do it outside the Lord Jesus. It's done in Jesus' name. So, if you will ask anything, and here, here again, no limit. If you will ask anything, in my name I'll do it. Now we're going to begin to look at the secret of what are those amazing keys the Bible gives us, where prayer becomes so omnipotent, so powerful to move mountains like it happened in Cairo years ago. So, but let's, let's also ask, well, what mountain are you facing? Like what mountain is in your life? Is it disease? Is it family trouble? Is it some bondage? Is it some financial problem? Or is it something else? So whatever you need, whatever miracle you need, is at your fingertips. It's at your fingertips. The power that will solve every problem is closer to us than the air we're breathing. That's the Bible. So the power that will solve our problems is closer to us than, our, than, than the air we're breathing. Now, it's not God's will <clears throat> for you and me to be defeated or to fail in prayer, nor that prayer should be the last resort to turn to in some emergency. I'm going to say it again. It's not God's will for us to be defeated in prayer to fail in prayer. Nor that prayer should become that last resort only when there's a problem to deal with, an emergency to deal with. Because prayer should become such a, a, an essential living part of our life, daily life, that our own life, our whole life would become a, a succession of continual miracles. So when daily prayer, the kind of prayer that the Bible talks about, which I'm going to show you, becomes a part of our daily life, then we're going to have continual miracles happening so we don't have to pray only when troubles come, yet our prayers will keep troubles away because daily prayer keeps troubles away. A lot of People, sadly, pray when troubles show up.
but we can keep troubles away by daily contact with God. So now we, we, we come to the first amazing secret, the first amazing secret that releases all this power. And that's found in Matthew 6. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6 and let's look at verse 5. And my goodness, there's a wonderful key here. So the Lord says, and when thou prayest, isn't Jesus so wonderful? Oh, just to say the Lord, just to say his name. Oh, thank God for his lovely name. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites, or the Lord said. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues, in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Now verse 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now the word clo uh, closet means inner room, somewhere quiet. A man named Peter Jacock years ago, uh, I had just gotten saved. And I'm going to explain this with this story. I just gotten saved. And he was a saintly man. Love the Lord. He was a Methodist, free Methodist, in fact, who attended the church I, I, I was attending. I had just gotten saved. I was 19 years old. And he said, Benny, I want to pick you up in the morning at 5. Be ready at 5 a.m. And your life tomorrow will change completely. I'm thinking, goodness, what is this man going to do picking me up at 5 in the morning? And what is this thing that's going to change my life? So that was on a Sunday, and he had wanted me to meet him on Monday morning. I knew there was no church Monday morning, so where was it going to take me? I did not know. So anyways, 5 a.m. came, and I was up and got in the car, living at the time in Toronto. We lived right on the edge of the northern part of the city in those days. And literally, I mean, like not even two miles away from us was just, you know, open fields. It was all country. Uh, they had built some new homes in that area, and my mom and dad got a house not far from there in an area called North York. Anyway, so now we are in that area, and he picks me up, and he drove one hour north of where we lived, all forest in the woods. He stops. Now, this is an hour north of the city. He stops. And he says, come with me. And I'm thinking, I, I don't see any church building here. There's no houses. There's nothing. I don't know what he's going to show me. Well, why is this so important in such early, early in the, in, the, in the morning? We walk and we walk and we walk and we walk. Till now, we, we could not even see where the, where the car was or the road and on, on a country road, a country road. And now we're in the forest. And all you saw is trees. Not even the street disappeared. The, the car disappeared. Now, 
woods. He looks, he says, I'll be right back. I'm thinking, where is he going? I said, well, maybe he wants to go to the bathroom somewhere, so I'll wait. I was extremely nervous, you can just imagine. 19 years of age, I just gotten saved. Here's this, 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 this dear man taking me to a forest, and I'm not sure why I'm there. 10 minutes went by. They were, I think, the longest 10 minutes in my life. And I'm thinking, he lost his mind. He left me. I don't know how to get out. I don't know how to find the car. Maybe he's gone, and I'm going to die in here. And I began screaming. Peter, Peter, I was screaming his name. And he jumps from behind one of the trees. Just jumps, he was hiding. He jumps and says, you see, you cannot be quiet long enough. I said, you brought me all the way here to tell me? He said, Benny, I'm gonna teach you a lesson. You'll never forget. He said, D.L. Moody said, if I can get a man quiet for just five minutes, and tell that man to think about his soul, I'll get him saved. He said, learn there's much power in quietness. He said, you only lasted 10 minutes before you began screaming. I said, well, what do you expect me to do when you leave me alone like this? He said, I just wanted to see how long you would last before you start screaming. I said, well, you just found out. But then on the way back, he began to talk to me about the power of silence and what it means to be still in the presence of God. Yeah, that day changed my life, I can tell you right now, because I began to think about the truth he was, he was presenting to me, and he gave me scriptures. How the Lord said, be still, and only in stillness you'll know God. And how often the Bible says, wait, I say wait, upon the Lord. We used to sing in church, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And I wasn't exactly in those days very acquainted with that, with, with that truth. Now looking back, how, how, how I've learned that lesson, that waiting upon the Lord and stillness and quietness is where God quickens you, is what, where prayer truly is born in quietness. And the flesh can no longer function in quietness before God. Jesus here gave us the secret. It's the same thing I'm talking about. He said, go into your closet. In other words, in a room where there's quietness. You know what I found? You cannot have divine communion and human communion at the same time. It's impossible to find God when you have divine communion with human communion. It's one or the other. So here, you must be alone. Why? Because entering into the presence of God is honoring the presence of God. When I say to the Lord, Lord, this time belongs to you. I'm honoring you. What am I doing? I'm recognizing his presence. And not only am I recognizing his presence, I'm saying, Lord, you are worthy of honor. You are worthy of reverence. That this, this hour or this hour and a half is all for you.
No one else can interfere. And in that place of waiting upon the Lord, because that's what the Lord really was talking about when he said, go into your, your closet. Because in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2, it says, in the presence of God, let your words be few. So it says, be not rash with thy mouth. I'm reading Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2. Be not rash with thy mouth. Let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon the earth. Therefore let thy words be few. Why is that? Well, you know, when we talk about quietness or stillness, uh, people get quiet for two reasons. One, they have nothing to say. Or two, they are so filled with God's presence, they cannot say it. See that? So there's two kinds of quiet people. One who is empty and has nothing to say before God. Or one who is so full of the Spirit, so full of the presence of God, he cannot even say it. He can't even talk. So quietness, biblically speaking, Quietness is not the result of lack. It's the result of abundance. Isn't that powerful? True quietness is the result of abundance, not lack. So now we wait upon the Lord. And in waiting, he fills us. In waiting, he quickens us. In waiting, the flesh is crucified. In waiting, true prayer is born. And that's what the Lord was saying in Matthew. Enter into your closet. Wow. So now, the minute I'm, I'm in the presence of God, I recognize his presence. And what am I telling God at that moment? When I'm quiet in his presence, I'm, I'm saying, you are my delight. Because we only delight in a person, when we enjoy being with them. And saying to the Lord, this hour, or this hour and a half, belongs to you, Lord, every day. It's saying, this is my delight. You are my delight, Lord. I want no one else to interfere. I don't want anyone to interrupt. When I was a pastor in OCC in Orlando, I used to give time every day for counseling people. And it was very difficult, I must say. I didn't do it for long because I couldn't do it for too long. I, I would go to the office at 8 a.m. and come back home at 9 p.m. every night because I counseled so many people during the week. So I would preach on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And during the day, I would work in the office. And most of my time was taken helping people with their problems. So this, this couple came in one day. I'll never forget that. And it was the day when there were no cell phones. So if someone wanted to make a call, it to go outside to, a, to an office and use the phone. And the husband, the, his wife wanted to divorce him. And I'm trying to keep them all at peace. And he kept going in and out, in and out, making phone calls. 
And I'm not kidding you, this went on for two, two hours. Every 10, 15 minutes, he, he, he had, had to go make, make a phone call. Finally, I said, you know what? To him, I said, my time is valuable, and I'm giving you my time that I could use elsewhere, and you're insulting me by you know, coming and going, coming and going. Finally, I just said, uh, this meeting is over. And I walked out because I couldn't, you know, handle it with that man not even giving me the honor and the respect to just stay seated when I'm trying to help him with his wife. Think about God. How, how does God feel when we talk to him and someone interrupts us and we take care of somebody else? No, we have to shut the world out completely. Shut your phone. That's what the Lord said and meant by going into your closet. Be quiet. Don't let any voices come in there. And that kind of prayer recognizes the Lord, recognizes his presence, honors the Lord, says, Lord, you're my delight. And in recognizing God's, God's, God's presence, the, the amazing part of God begins to flow. That is an amazing place to begin experiencing power that moves mountains. Because power that moves mountains doesn't come with repetitious prayer. Power that moves mountains comes when God quickens us in prayer as we wait. Now, number two. Number two is John 4. And I, I'm going to continue tomorrow, so please join me. There's a lot I want to show you. But in John 4, 21, the Lord made an amazing revelation to us. He said this. He was speaking to this woman at the well, and he said, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and truth. What the Lord was saying is that quietness releases worship. And that is another secret to power and prayer that will move mountains. Because worship is such a powerful key when it comes to God responding. You know, you think about... Um, Samuel, 1 Samuel 3, talks about Samuel who ministered to the Lord and changed the whole nation at the age of eight. Think about he ministered to the Lord before he can minister for the Lord because ministering to the Lord in worship comes before ministering for the Lord in ministry to his people. And it says there was no open vision. The word of, of the Lord was basically absent. And little Samuel, at the age of eight, is given to the ministry by his mother. And now he's nine or ten years old. And he's serving and worshiping and ministering to the Lord and changed the nation completely. And now prophecy began to flow through him to the whole country. So worship is so powerful because worship not only changes nations, Worship releases God's judgment on the wicked. 
Remember in Daniel 7, where it talks about how the angels worship God? And the next thing we see is God judging Antichrist. Or in Revelation 5, heaven is worshiping God and judgment falls on humanity. So we don't have to worry about enemies. We, we just need to worship God and he'll take care of our enemies. So worship is a big part of prayer because it moves the hand of God. And why does it move the hand of God? Because we touch his heart with worship. We touch his heart with worship. And worship is so important. It says in Psalm 100, come into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, and then worship him because you're his people. It's all there in the song. Now, I'm going to continue talking about worship a little more tomorrow. And then other keys I'm going I'm to give you that are so, so important when it comes to power in prayer. Precious saints, when I had the crusades, I worshipped from 2 p.m. till 7 p.m. Every, every time we had a crusade. And I'd walk up on that platform and the glory of God would come. And maybe people thought I was praying and begging. No, no, I was worshiping. You know, in the book of Isaiah, we see the, the seraphs with six wings. It says with, with four, they, they covered themselves, and with two, they flew. Covering yourself is worship. So, and, and flying is service. Worship has doubled the effect on God as service. Worship is twice as important as ministry. When Elijah came to Horeb, he worshipped and God spoke. Remember that? That still small voice? He was worshipping. And then God said, go anoint Elisha. So if we want to hear the voice of God, like Samuel heard the voice of God, we have to worship. But worship is not possible without quietness without stillness. Be still, Psalm 46, be still and know, and know. We can't know God without stillness. And that's the first key in Matthew chapter 6. Enter into your closet, wait upon the Lord, let God quicken you. Psalm 80 verse 18 says, quicken me and then I'll call on you. Let God quicken you. And then true prayer begins in the spirit. You know, in Ephesians, we read, let all prayer be in the Spirit. Well, I can't be in the Spirit till I wait upon the Lord. Lord, bring them there. Oh, dearest Jesus, dearest Jesus, bring them to that place, Lord, where that mighty life of prayer will move mountains, Lord, whatever the mountain may be, illness or, or bondage or finance or family trouble, whatever, Lord, it will be gone, just like you, didn't, you moved that mountain in Cairo, Lord, years ago. But there's a church today of thousands. Do it, Lord, in the lives of your people today. We give you all the praise. Amen. I have seven keys. I only shared like two of them with you today. Tomorrow I'll give you the rest. But there's so much more I want to talk to you about. Now, it's time to give to the Lord's work. It's time to say, I love you, wonderful Jesus, with my offerings. Because the offering is worship too. 
And the offering is saying, Lord, I love you above all others. Because when we give God our hearts, it's easier to give him our money. So simple, so simple. So as we sow seed, we, all, we also secure our future, not just our, our present, but our future, and how we need to secure our futures today, financially, how we need to secure our tomorrow financially today, when all the trouble out there is getting even much darker. So let, let's, let's obey our precious Jesus. And Lord, I believe and I agree for your prosperity, your divine blessings, and prosperity to descend upon everyone who has a financial need today. Listen, I feel the anointing right now. Pray with me as I'm praying with you that God will bless you financially. Lord, I agree with them. For you said if two agree, it'll be done. I agree with them, Lord, that that financial miracle will come right on time. Right on time. And as they give today, Lord, that you will bless them with that wonderful miracle right on time. In Jesus' Precious, wonderful name. God's people said, Amen and Amen. Don't forget to order my book or pre-order my book, Mysteries of the Anointing, published by Charisma House. It's a powerful book. Very powerful. It explains the anointing and the mysteries of the anointing and the dangers, you know, frankly, of what happens if the anointing comes on someone's life who's not ready for it. And what happens if somebody walks away from the Lord? What, what happens to that anointing? So, so all that are more, these are lessons I've learned nearly in 50 years, all in here. Think about 50 years of education about the anointing is in this book. So, or, you, or go to our website, or it'll be in bookstores the first week in April. Much love, I'll see you tomorrow.